welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beanstalk. Here we are for you, for us, for everyone, really. There's a fantastic, there's a great energy in the gym. Always. Always. Love it. Love it. Hey, random question for you because we love those. Random answer. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to be a voice actor? And so there's a lot of ways we can go with this. Okay. First branch off of that random topic. What character would you be typecast as? Right? Because I feel like most voice actors kind of get put in the same role, like protagonist, antagonist, weirdo, deep voice guy, you know, high-pitched goof. Okay, well, I have great answers to all these questions. (laughs) So, firstly, absolutely, I think about it all the time. Right. Um, I think God blessed, or, Mm -hmm. I think God decided after he created me, he said, if we give this guy voice impressions, he will never shut the hell up. So, we're not going to do that. So that's why I think I have a very limited circle of expertise. Okay. okay. You've got a very specific scope. Yes. Yep. And I think he's right. Because <laughs> ask my mom, when we went to Britain, I was doing the British accent. Of course you were. And oh my, dude, of I, course dove, you were. I dove in so deep. I, I was so good. I was so good over there. Was this last year? Uh, this was, uh, I was in high school. Oh, nice. Yeah. And nice. I was just... I was in it. You were in it. And she... You were she, full British. She forced me to pull that out. She's like, you're done. I was like, come on! She's like, no, you're done. And then, uh, I also... I, well, my Batman voice, that hasn't gone away. Sure. That's Your old college humor Batman. great. Yep. Okay? Yep. My dad loves that voice. Yep. Makes him laugh all the time. That's great. Mom hates it. So, I will do that when they're both love around. That. Love to, that. Right, because you win in both in both ways. You get both the enjoyment and the vast end of the other spectrum. I love annoying my mother. Yeah. Okay. Love that. But and then probably what I would get typecast as, I'd probably I feel like I would be the comic relief. Okay. Like I. Yeah, I see that. I'd be the plastic man. Sure. Or the Michelangelo. I feel like that would be my. Here's what I could see you as. This this is my. this is going to be the most recent reference I could possibly make. So Andy Sandberg and John Mulaney did the Chippendale movie, which is just great. Yeah. Just great. Uh, both those guys obviously are well accomplished in their respective primary fields, but I think voice acting is just fantastic for each of those dudes. Like That just makes sense. And I could see you in that similar, that similar category. Like Spider-Ham. You bet. Yeah. You yeah, bet. No, that would be me. Absolutely. And I love that role. That's so great. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> That's absolutely Bless. great. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I have a great answer to my own question. So I love the Harry Potter books. And one of, I think, the best ways to absorb that particular content is through the audiobook version. Mm-hmm. So the dude, I think his name is Jim Dale, that performed because he didn't just read like he freaking performed the bejeebers out of those books they're phenomenal like the range that that dude has from the male to female characters young old and everything in between incredible crushes it so selfishly i wish i had what what jim dale has in his back pocket but i don't have that kind of range but uh i think it'd be kind of fun to try and go on the, the lower end of the octave scale oh, sure. and try and do like like a cronk from Emperor's New Groove. Like that's great. That's great. I would love to live in that spot. Love to live in that spot. I can see that. Yeah. I can see like a narrator esque or or oh. like or like a Sure, even a narrator, like something pretty basic. You have a very but, commanding voice. Oh thank you. So I feel sure. like some some somebody with authority, you know, I can see that. Maybe a character in one of these Star Wars cartoons that is swiftly killed just to set the tone for like, like how... Like a general. I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. Dude, there were... So I went and saw Top Gun Maverick, okay? Yeah. Last night with my dad. Have you seen it yet? I haven't, but I have heard it is phenomenal. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I... When I knew the movie was being released... Now, it's it's gone through a bit of a trial, right? Because it was supposed to have been released... Back in the old 2020, obviously didn't happen, so we're bumping it out to 2022. And I remember seeing the trailer for it going, 
yeah, I mean, I, I like the original. I'm not in love with the original. I've got friends that are, and that's great. Good on you. It's not one of my like favorite movies, but it's good. It's a good 1986 action movie. So I remember seeing the trailer for Top Gun Maverick and going, okay, I'm intrigued. Like, it looks really cool. You're the like, visuals why? look outstanding, but why are we telling this yeah. story? Right? That, that was the biggest question. Like, it has been a long, long stretch of time. We're bringing this back out of the archive to refresh the tale. Okay. Well, one of my good buddies, Eric, who does listen to the podcast, big fan of the pod. Thank you, E. Love you. He went and saw it, texted me, and said it was absolutely incredible. And so that that hooked me. I'm like, okay, I, I got to see this. At some point, I have to see this. Long story short, text my dad. said, Dad, let's go Tuesday. He said, I'm in. We went to North Grand in Ames. Didn't have a guy. I was really hoping. Here's what I was hoping for going into the theater. I was hoping our guy from Doctor Strange who said, welcome to the Multiverse of Madness, the attendant that was just on top and beyond of his game. I was really hoping that I was going to get there and he was going to be outside that theater door and he was going to pull out the most classic line from the original Top Gun movie of, do you feel the need, the need for speed? Like, I was, and I was just going to hug him. If he was there doing that, I was going to give him a full on hug. I would have turned around. The need for speed. I would have turned oh, around. Oh, man. I'd be like, no. <laughs> I'd be like, no. So, unfortunately, that wish was not fulfilled. Point is, it was great. So, I went in with pretty modest expectations, like a little hyped up from, from my buddy Eric saying, hey, this is great. But he didn't oversell it at all. It was outstanding. Now, the reason this ties into the initial discussion we're having here is there are several individuals in that movie that just have killer voices like ed harris pretty well-known actor his voice is great i gotta look up the guy because part of what's fun about these movies right is all of the characters have call signs right so maverick is obviously not the character tom cruise plays it's not his real name it's pete mitchell but he goes by Maverick. So there's a there's an admiral (coughs) in this movie. Solomon Bates, Admiral Solomon Bates, already good and strong, right? Off to a good start. His call sign, his call sign is Warlock. (laughs) Just like that's so great, especially when you're in that admiral ship. But his voice, I, I have not seen this guy as far as I know in any other films. Like I'm just looking through his filmography, and I was looking through it last night. Didn't recognize him from anything, but his voice was just killer. Like, just so doggone good. I'm like, that is a voice that I wish I had. Like, you remember the New Girl episode where Nick is confused by how to identify? Like, I'm all over the place. This is great. Nick is confused by how to recognize that another man is attractive. And Schmidt is just beside himself. Like, how do you not, how are you not able to identify that another guy is attractive or not? And they finally get to the point where they say, Nick, if you're looking at a guy and you're going, I'd be okay looking like that guy, that's how you know that guy's attractive. And Nick kind of ponders it for a minute, lets it settle, and goes, oh, okay. Light bulb clicks on. He goes, that's it. That's the way. That's how I feel about certain dudes' voices. It's like, <laughs> if I had that guy's voice, man, I'd be stoked. So Warlock, Top Gun Maverick, Admiral Solomon Bates, loved you, bud. Your voice was phenomenal. Fun fact, director from Top Gun Maverick. I was talking to this about with uh, Soul and David. Today. Sure. Marshalltown, Iowa. Really? The director. Marshalltown, really? Iowa. He hasn't yeah, directed a lot. Okay. He directed, uh, he directed Tron. That's the other yep. big one. And then there's yep. another movie I've never heard of called Oblivion. I've seen that one. That's another Tom Cruise flick about 10 years ago. Okay. But, yes, this is that director. Dude, it was that was so good. Like, it does not fall into our. You know, typical scope of the the movies and pop culture that we discuss, but go see it. Like it's good. It has such a confident identity. It knows what it is, and identity is the that's the key word from that movie. Like it is a story that is about identity and being true to who you were designed to be. Right. Like I don't love that phrase of, hey, be true to yourself. Like I don't know what to do with that. Right. I don't know what that means. I feel like our culture likes to tell us that, hey, you can do anything, be anything. No, you can't. Like, you actually have limitations. You're not good at everything. I'm not good at everything. Nobody is. Okay, there's a few of you out there that are, but, you know, screw you. Most of us, most of us have genuine, like, giftings and eh, a lot of gaps in there, 
right? right. And so what I love about this movie and where the, it was unexpectedly wonderful is that it was very comfortable and confident in what it was. And it just sent, I thought, a really strong message of, listen, whatever you were designed to be, whatever those giftings are, lean into those. I really received that. I thought that was outstanding. That was a story worth telling that I didn't expect. The visuals, of course, are ridiculous. And I don't understand how Tom Cruise does it. I don't understand, A, how he's still alive. B, how he still looks as solid as he does. And C, how he keeps finding ways to make great movies. Like, say what you will about the guy personally. I know there's plenty of drama that's surrounded that guy. Yep, yep, for decades. But he has made consistently awesome movies for the better part of, you know, 30 plus years. Obviously, there's been some stretches in there that have been a little stinky, a little, little, uh, little dry, shall we say. But man, for my money, I'm going to go see a movie that Tom Cruise is in because I know it's going to be very entertaining. So, like we touched, I think we touched on Mission Impossible movies last pod, right? Uh, love Tom's that. Been coming up. Love what he's, love what he does, love what he's been doing. So, anyway, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Great voices, all that stuff, all that stuff. Good to know. Love it. Okay, there you go. There's my Top Gun Maverick plug. Love you, Eric. You're the man. Well, what else should we talk about other than voice acting today? Oh, sure. I think Thor's on the to-do list. I think it's literally on the table. He is. Oh! I, I can't believe that. I that. can't believe Oh, there you go. See, I did the first pun. You one-upped it. Good job. Good job. Yeah, I mean, we're getting closer, inching closer and closer to the release of the next Thor movie, which is outstanding. We're very much looking forward to revealing Gore, the God Butcher, and I have finally completed Jason Aaron's run in the comics on Thor, which I found to be an absolute delight. So I'm looking forward to, to talking through that. So we'll talk a little talk a little Thor comics, which is great. Um, I feel like there's some Star Wars things we could discuss too, Riley. Has there been an Obi-Wan show that came out? Maybe? Maybe. Okay. You know what? Yes, there was. We should probably talk about it. I dropped it. the first two episodes. Huh. Of the, I caught Friday. him. I caught him. Very good. Very that good. That was crazy. Yeah. I thought it was only one and there's two. <coughs> and now they drop on Wednesday for the rest of them for some stupid reason. What a great smorgasbord that is, though. You get two on Friday, and then you don't even have to wait till the following Friday to I get mean, the third. That's great. I mean, I look, totally with you. Yep. But on the same note, it's like... Logistically, what are we doing here? I want, I want consistency. Okay. Like... Why would so why my, that's my thing? Why drop it on Friday and then switch to Wednesdays? That doesn't make sense to me because if you Memorial Day weekend. Way, yeah, but still. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a really strong answer there I for you. Nothing. I don't know. Because then you got. It, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. it. So we got what we want to discuss. We have future Star Wars content to discuss also. Yes, there they have announced a slew. It's the slew you bet. of uh, different shows you and uh, movies. Yep. And yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll dig in. This is going to be a oh. more of um, a galactic episode, if you will. Oh. Lots of Star Wars. Lots of Star Wars. So, You know what? We're here for it. That's absolutely outstanding. Cool. Well, let me talk a little bit of Thor by Jason Aaron. So four total um, volumes, all right? And there is a lot that takes place, as you might hope or might expect over the course of four volumes, but something that I appreciate that is a consistent threat from the start of this run by Mr. Aaron to its conclusion is that it stays big, it stays cosmic, it is almost never earthbound. And the handful of times that we wind up on Earth, aka Midgard, we're not staying there very long, which I think is the perfect spot for Thor. Like, in some respects, he's almost always been that, that Avenger that it's like, aren't you a little, too, a little too powerful, a little too big of a deal to be a part of this? And there's truth in that. And so I love that Jason Aaron chooses to take a very cosmic perspective on the story of Thor. So I'm going to try and give a fairly comprehensive overview of where the story begins, where it ends. There is a lot to cover in here, so it won't be terribly deep dive. But my goal with this is to share what I know, to share what I've absorbed, to share what I've taken away from it so that you, dear sweet listener, can go out and become the dear sweet reader and check this out for yourself, okay? A couple things to know. Not only is the writing outstanding 
from a story perspective, but the dialogue is fantastic. <coughs> Case in point, there are, I don't know how many because I never chose to count them. There are so many have at these. That's got to be a thing. That's got to be a thing. We've touched on this with the movies. Yes. They haven't done this. It's, it's a beef, and it's a legit beef. There's an opportunity with Thor to have such great, unique dialogue that the MCU hasn't taken advantage of. So missed opportunity, MCU, but we won't, we won't get too far down that uh, rabbit hole of beefness. But Thor is consistently speaking in that blend of contemporary and then old English. It's great. I'm here for it. Um, along with that, whoever, not just Thor as we know him, right? Thor Odinson, but Jane Foster, when she takes on the mantle of Thor by lifting Mjolnir, she starts speaking in the same way. In the very last volume, there's a third version of Thor that's introduced, War Thor. I'm going to give you two guesses as to who it is that picks up a version of Mjolnir and becomes War Thor. I kind of already know. Do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Volstag. Yeah. It's great. I didn't know his name. It's but great. But I know it was one of his three dudes. Yep, yep. And it was the dude yep. the big red beard. Right. The big round fella. Yep, Volstag the Valiant, typically a very jovial dude. He becomes the War Thor for a period exceptionally powered up. Huge, you might say. Huge. He gets really angry. Oh, boy. Yeah, he, uh, he, he goes a very different direction from his typical jovial personality. So storytelling, outstanding. Dialogue, equally great. Art. If it's going to be a good comic, it better have good art. And there are a number of different artists that are a cook in this rather large kitchen, okay? And I prefer different artists at different times. Uh, the artist's name, can I see this for a, look, a quick sec? Isad Ribich. I think that is how his name, his last name is pronounced, either Ribic or Ribich, but I believe it's Ribich. He is unbelievable. Like, that guy cannot be topped. The art that he provides for the Gore the God Butcher storyline is... Second to none, okay? He's at the top. He's the original, the OG. He's incredible. The artists that take the mantle from him, particularly when we transition from focusing on Thor Odinson and go into the Jane Foster period as Thor, um, they have a very different style, but it's still outstanding. So there was, there were just a couple instances where you had kind of a throw-in, tie-in. This is a random artist. Who's this guy or gal? that were a little disconcerting, or a little disconcerting is not the right word, distracting. But by and large, the art, and that, that's impressive when you have this long of a run, was absolutely clutch. So storytelling, dialogue, art, it's all here. All right, what happens in this run? Well, as you might have heard, Thor, right out of the gates, volume number one, encounters for the first time Gore the God Butcher. And my goodness, that is Gore the God Butcher, on the Marvel side, Riley, and the Batman Who Laughs on the DC side, for my money, are the two best villains that have been developed and originated in the last 10 years. Like, they're just outstanding. They're terrific villains. Incredibly difficult to beat. Incredibly vicious. Like, just pure bad, right? There's no good in these guys. They're nasty, nasty dudes. So that's what happens in Volume 1. It's great. You have present-day Thor, past Thor, and future Thor that all have to tag team in an effort to bring Gore the God Butcher down. So the storyline is incredibly convoluted, but somehow it all makes sense at the end. Uh, I will say there's a lot of fun in that storyline, trying to figure out all the gods that Gore is trying to kill. Because you wouldn't think that there's gods for everything, but there are, right? There's gods of flowers, there's gods of birds, and there's gods of freaking bombs. So what I'm hearing is, it was okay that some of them died. 100%. 100%. They're too many. They're too many. They weren't very good. Nope, nope. Need to be whittled down. So Gore may have done us a service here. Yep. Thanks, Gore. Thanks, bud. Uh, But yeah, god of bombs, god of... uh, gods of everything. What comes out of this, okay, Malekith shows up after... Gore has been vanquished by Thor, and Malekith has been imprisoned for a a bit of a stretch of time, and Malekith starts playing the long game that, frankly, you're used to seeing Loki play, where Malekith is trying to just weave chaos into, well, everything. 
trying to start what he calls the War of Realms. So as you know, as Guardian lore, you've got the Ten Realms, and Malekith is like, let's just burn them all down. And so that's what he's all about. Not great. Thor has to try and deal with Malekith. Malekith does get a big chunk of Thor's arm out of the deal. So Thor loses a piece of arm uh, thanks to Malekith. That's a bit tough. That's um, Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's where he gets the destroyer arm attached. That's pretty badass. That's very, very badass. Very cool. It's around this time that Thor is made to be unworthy. How is this possible? That's its own story, Original Sin. Okay, read it. Check it out on YouTube for a more brief summation. Point is, Nick Fury whispers something unknown into the ear of Thor, and all of a sudden Thor can't lift up his freaking hammer. He is no longer worthy to be Thor. And so Thor, Odinson, can't lift up Mjolnir, can't wield it. He's left to his battle axe and his goats. Still a heck of a combo, right? Still not bad. But Jane Foster is revealed to be the new Thor. She picks up the hammer, is imbued with the power of Thor. And what's really awesome is that not only does she start speaking in that old English of Thor and starts going by the name of Thor, but Mjolnir responds to Jane and her directions in very unique ways that it never worked for Thor Odinson, right? So she's able to, in other words, get Mjolnir to do things that Thor Odinson couldn't. So she's got some special abilities. That's rough. It's pretty, it's pretty rough. It's also pretty sweet. So she's outstanding. One of the best parts is that Odin himself is absolutely furious that Thor is unworthy and doesn't know why he's unworthy and that some chick is running around with Mjolnir. Odin can't stand that. So Odin and Jane have a little encounter where Jane goes toe-to-toe with the All-Father. It's fun. Holds her own. It is fun. It is fun. Now, here's the catch, right? You'd think... How is, how is there anything wrong with this, with picking up the hammer and being Thor? I'd like to taste that action. Problem is, Jane's got cancer. Real bad cancer. And anytime she picks up the hammer, all right, she picks up Mjolnir. Mjolnir transforms her physical form into this Asgardian immortal. But it, I'm trying to think what the right word would be, dissolves or dispenses all the all of the drugs in her mortal form that are there to try and help combat the cancer that are in her that is in her body get weeded out okay they get eliminated because you know chemotherapy is technically it's a poison and so Mjolnir is identifying it as something not good so it kicks all the chemotherapy drugs out now why doesn't it also eliminate the cancer comics don't think about it too much just accept it. I was wondering that too. Yep, just accept it. So point is, when she's Thor, Jane Foster is just fine. She's got all the power that you'd expect a Thor to have. But as soon as she transforms back into her mortal form, she has been significantly weakened by the transformation into and then back from Thor. And so the challenge with this is Thor Odinson, he's on the quest to try and make himself worthy, right? So that's fun. Like he's trying to go out and do all these very grand cosmic feats and things so he can regain the mantle of Mjolnir. But in the meantime, Jane feels obligated that, hey, someone needs to step in and fill the gap that Thor Odinson is leaving because he's just not as powerful right now. Malekith is weaving his schemes. War is exploding across all the realms. Uh, and so Jane Foster thinks that, well, she's obligated to, to fill in, in other words. Um, which she does, and she does really well, but it continues to weaken her, weaken her, weaken her. Eventually, part of what is a consistent thread through this, right? Gore's only in the first volume, but what Gore brought to the table was these gods, all right, whether they're Asgardian or any other run of the mill god of mushrooms, okay? All of these gods, from Gore's perspective, are not worthy of their mantle. That was Gore's whole mission. That was his whole message. Not only did he want to kill the gods, he wanted you to know that, hey, these dudes and dudettes, they're not worthy of your worship. They're not worthy of the abilities and the powers that they have as gods. And that is a consistent theme throughout these four volumes as Thor Odinson tries to find his worthiness. Jane Foster even wonders if she's worthy, if anyone is worthy of being a god. And as it turns out, Gore the God Butcher is not the worst thing that could happen to gods. The worst thing is this deity 
like being called Mangog. Just a straight-up comic name there. How can we just mush some letters together and come up with a name? M-A-N-G-O-G. Mangog. Okay, we got it. Apparently, this guy comes out once every couple of decades to kill all the gods. So he emerges, and he is just wrecking everyone. Volstag is the war Thor. He shows up in here for a little bit, which is kind of fun to watch. A little sad, right? You don't like seeing Volstag go to the dark side, but uh, he gets really angry when he gets that hammer. Uh, you won't like him when he's angry, but anywho, Mangog rips through all of these gods because he is on the same page as Gore. Hey, none of you guys are worthy. There's actually a really uh, vicious scene where one of Thor's goats tries to attack Mangog, and Mangog just grabs it and pops the head of the goat right off. Oh, it's devastating. <laughs> it's, no. yeah, yeah, right? It's, it's a bit tough. It's a bit tough to see. So one of the uh, one of the goats goes down. Very disappointing, but it does tell you that okay, man, Gog's got uh, he's pretty tough. He's a pretty tough dude. That's rough. Jane Foster, in her last act as Thor, ties Mjolnir to a chain, throws Mjolnir so it wraps Man Gog in the chain, and then sends Mjolnir into the sun with Man Gog attached. So Man Gog. Pop, goodbye, gone. But that's how she actually saves the day for the one last time. It's outstanding. So a lot going on, a lot going on in these volumes. But I think whether you're a regular comic reader or not, I think you can dive into this storyline and really enjoy it. It certainly weaves in and out of what's going on with the Avengers, particularly as we get into volumes two, three, and beyond. Uh, so there's some challenges that come with it there as far as like I had to YouTube like okay what's this storyline about to try and fill in some storytelling blanks that inevitably occur when you're trying to tie everything together all the time Um, but it's very much worth your time and listen if nothing else if nothing else you gotta check out volume one with Gore the God Butcher we've talked about it before on this pod It's, it's as good as it gets in comics check that out that's Thor Jason Aaron Noise. Yeah, that's what I got for you. Great. The only thing I, I could think of was when you said that, you know, she can get the hammer to do things that he couldn't. Right. It's like it's like watching your ex just yep. start dating Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> like, it's just tough. Like, it is a lot. Hard to feel good about that. You're like... Yeah. I got nothing. Uh, I got nothing. Because you're like, I can't beat that, obviously. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like... But why? <laughs> How? That's pretty. It, right. You're right. It's a good comparison. Yep. Flabbergasted. Nothing you can do about it. Just, uh. It's really, it's a very, very solid character driven story. Again, I love the cosmic aspect of it. There's very little time in the Jason Aaron run where we're seeing Thor with the Avengers. I know that in between these stories, that is a thing. Uh, but I'm glad that this is such a Thor centric storyline. I think it explores that character very, very well. Um, it, it was worth it from beginning to end. I don't think it gets better than the Gore storyline, so that's a little tough when you start out with the best right off the yeah. bat. But at no point was I underwhelmed by what I was reading, going, man, this is just so far off the off the mark or off the pace from what Volume 1 set. It's still really good. It's still really worthwhile, um, but the gore storyline is just an all-timer. Like, you can pick that up, read it anytime, put it back down, and just be blown away. It's so good from the the hero of Thor to the villain of gore, all the art, the cosmicness of the story, the fact that it's playing with the timelines of past, present, and future, and finding a comprehensible way to weave them all together is, is just incredible. Just incredible. So I can't recommend that story enough. It's absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. It's good. That's what we got for Thor. So I'm excited to see what they do with Jane Foster uh, in our upcoming Thor flick here in about a month and a half. Um, They could do a whole lot of things, right? Like they could have her have cancer as well. I was kind of wondering if they were going to do that. But my hunch is that... A big piece, and I think we got a 
taste of this in that full trailer that a lot of the a lot of the crux of the character development for this story in that movie is going to be worthiness, right? Like Thor's questioning his own worthiness as a as a god. Gore is obviously questioning the worthiness of gods. Yeah. And yeah, actually he's not questioning. He's got the answer. No, they're not. They're not worthy. And I think the addition of Jane Foster, the insertion of her in that story and her ability to take on the mantle of Thor and do it well, um, that's challenging in its own right. When you're seeing somebody else, like you said, huh, Ryan Reynolds, well, can't, can't compete with that. So I'm looking forward to to the movie that much more for having read uh, this storyline, but it's one that I'll come back to uh, frequently. It's outstanding. It's great. Love it. Hey, what should we talk about next? I think, I think, Obi-Wan. Oh, sure. That show. That show. So we saw episodes one and two. Now we are recording this. On a Wednesday, neither of us have seen episode three yet. Is Correct. that true? Okay, Correct. great. So we're going to keep it. Uh, we're going to let it sync up because we are fans of logistics. We're going to let it sync up fairly well. We're going to do two episodes uh, per podcast episode. So two parts, I suppose, is what they're really technically dividing that show up to. So we'll touch on parts one and two here in our podcast episode. And let's just start nice and broad, Riley. What'd you think? Our expectations were soaring? Correct. Collectively soaring. First third of the show. It's in the can. You've absorbed it. What do you got? I think right now I'm medium. Yep. I'm just whelmed. I'm whelmed right now. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I think the premise is solid. Mm-hmm. The fact... I did not think we were getting Leia as a kid. Right? That was fun for me. That I'm was like, great. Oh, sweet. And then they That show was great. They show uh, Alderaan, which yep. again, I was like, cool, new planet Agreed. that we haven't seen. Except in dust particles. It, exactly. Yep. So I was like, oh, this is this is good. They brought back her, the actor and actress who played her parents. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like Luke's uncle. I yep. think he's great. Yep. I think he'll be a fun character. Uh, but yeah, that was quite the twist, wasn't it? To go from what we had been shown in all the marketing of... Obi-Wan being on Tatooine watching Luke from afar like we didn't get a single snippet that I know of of young Leia which is great it is great love that and that's tremendous marketing we haven't been on Tatooine for the whole time correct again great correct. we've yep. seen too much of that desert seen a planet lot. of garbage <laughs> seen a lot of it oh my yep. gosh yep so that was cool having Leia was cool um the Inquisitors Okay, I'm gonna get a little into the not not the not the stuff that I liked. Okay. Okay. So hold first, on, hold on. Before you go there. Okay. So broad broad picture. Oh, broad picture. You're at. You're whelmed. I'm whelmed. Okay. I th- I think there's a lot of good that can still come. Yes. The teaser at the end of part two. Yep. With Vader. Yep. I was like all in. You I'm bet. Like, okay, this is where I hop on the ship and we stay and we coast. Yes. So. Yep. Yes. So I am I'm in a similar boat, maybe a little more than whelmed, um, because it's meeting my expectations enough. I don't know what you're supposed to do in two episodes that, let me rephrase that. I don't know how my expectations are going to be fulfilled until the show is over. Correct. Okay, I just don't think that kind of a conclusion can be drawn. But right. everything that I have seen so far has only nourished that hope that I have for this show and what it will ultimately provide. I haven't had anything that has uh, that's drawn me back. Going, oh no, we're headed towards a bummer. Yeah, I haven't that's, had that. And, and that's critical. That's a win in its own right. Um, love, love Ewan McGregor. Um, our our boy Ben Kruger. He and I were messaging back and forth, and he was talking about how much he really enjoys how Obi Wan is just not in a good place. Right. right now, that it's almost as if he's in a like going through some very significant PTSD. Yeah. yeah, and I I concur. I think that is a that's a great place to pick up with this character. Um, he's hesitant to the point of just avoiding intentionally opportunities to utilize the force. He is more willing, and like it was really significant in that first episode where he's more willing to let a fellow Jedi die than he is to reveal 
himself or go back to that old way of living. Like that that showed you as much as anything where Obi-Wan is, right, when we first encounter him, which was great. And I also thought it was really helpful that right at the outset of part one that they compiled uh, scenes from the prequels. That was awesome. I thought that was really helpful. That was really so well selected. So dope. Because it was, it's been a long time, right, yeah. since most of us have seen those prequels. And so it was great. It was a good transition into, and here's where we're stepping off. And I also really approved of how explicit they were in part one. I think it was part one. Yes, it was part one. With stating that Obi-Wan believes that Anakin is dead. Because that was cool. us as the audience members, right? we know Anakin's alive. And so it was critical critical and so they nailed this detail that owen is talking with obi-wan and in that dialogue they are just putting out there like well anakin's dead we know he's gone that was really important because i don't think that had in episode two right had that line of dialogue not taken place and they had not been intentionally specific about telling us the audience hey obi-wan doesn't know that Anakin's alive. He thinks he's dead. That drop at the end of episode two where it's revealed to Obi-Wan that Anakin is alive would have been so much less impactful. It would right. have been more of a, well, yeah, no no kidding. Like, doesn't he know that? He doesn't know that? Why doesn't he know that? Similar, because it reminded me a lot of our discussion that we had about Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. and the twins that Wanda has and how that was such a big part of the WandaVision yeah. show and how we both agreed that was a miss by the movie to have not set that up better yes. for those that hadn't seen the show. So that was encouraging to see that crushed in this case because that could have very easily been missed. So I'm getting a little down in specifics. Broadly, I'm enjoying it so far, hopeful for where it's going. Now let's get into specifics. What are some things that you really liked? or really are either strongly disliked or going, oh boy, you gotta, you're going to have to show me more here. First of all, I love you. <coughs> obviously, you I feel like he's becoming more and more Obi-Wan as we go because uh, him on the on the planet was just hilarious <laughs> on the second planet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that he's trying to contact Qui-Gon Jinn. And if, ah, we get, yeah. if we get Liam Neeson oh, we're, oh to my show goodness. up, oh my goodness. I will freak out. Yep. Because that will be awesome. Yep. So, and they teased it. I'm actually surprised he hasn't been able to contact Obi- <coughs> or Qui-Gon yet. Like, because they teased that with the, the prequel but, trilogy and it just compilation. Seems, yes, and it just seems like Obi-Wan, the show here, is actually going to try to fill in, like, some holes yep. from episode three, mm-hmm. or just from the prequels in general. Mm-hmm. So... I'd love to see Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn. That would be sick. Now remind me, because I remember watching part one, and that line from Yoda was given to Obi-Wan about being able to connect with Qui-Gon. Was that from the prequels, or was that was that just added for this show? I don't know. Okay. Okay, I wasn't confident either way. I have no idea. Okay, fair I enough. have a feeling it was, because when I was watching The Chance, yep. it was like, oh, they're going to try to fill that hole. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. Okay. Fill away. Okay. Yep. So, yes. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he whips the lightsaber out in episode three. It looks like he just whipped... It looks like he, fi- well, he finally whipped out the force. I told you, not till episode five at the earliest will we know, see it. it's just... And they're teasing it. Like, they're being so cruel. No, so cruel. I know, it is cruel. But... <laughs> he was so close. He yeah, was so close. I was hoping, I was hoping to see it. I was hoping, but I was also hoping to not see it because I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. okay. Fair enough. I but I mean, like, it would be better to see the lightsaber. Let's let's be honest. But uh, should we get into the bad? Okay, so that those are your good things. We touched on we touched on Leia. Like that was great. Leia was great. that was a great twist. And listen, I thought the actress, like that young gal that's playing her, she's crushing it. She's she's fantastic. She's good. She's really good. Now the chase scenes. Talk about this with our guy Gundy. Okay. Come on. 
catch the little girl. You have adults. They were terrible. They were terrible. This is transitioning into the bad. Like you have adults chasing a ten-year-old. The adults are going to catch the ten-year-old within fifteen seconds. There were okay. First of all, there were three times where she was like arm's length and they just couldn't get it. Yep. There's another time he, yep. she runs into a tree branch and is like, oh, can't go this way. It's a brick wall. And then the, the thing that kills me, and I didn't catch it until the second time seeing it, she did like a like a Call of Duty slide yep. underneath a tree. Yep. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. This doesn't make sense. No. And there's also a part of me where I feel like she's too smart, but they even comment on that because Obi-Wan's like, yep. how old are you? Right. And right. she's like 10. I was like, okay, some of it makes sense, but other parts I'm like, this is a smart, smart, smart thing. Right. Right. So I was a little confused by that. Well, I'm, I'm wondering time, if they've got a little, like, if they're going to tease that she's aware of her Force abilities. Like, when she is telling Obi-Wan, like, she's profiling him, right? Like, yeah. she is psychologically saying, hey, here's why you operate the way that you do. That doesn't feel, that didn't feel like, a, well, she's just really intelligent. It felt more like, a, eh, she's got a little, she can tell because she's got the Force that would be see, and then that would make sense to me, and I would be okay with that. Sure. But there's just some parts where I'm like, she's too smart. Because mm-hmm. if my ten year old talked to me like that, in psych ward, immediately, <laughs> I'd be like, something is not right with this kid. Locking him up. Double check him. Locking please, him up. For the love of God. And now. <gasps> That's great. Okay, what what other beefs do you have? They haven't they haven't shown you the lightsaber. So sorry. Okay. The third sister. Yep. Rainbow. Yep. Okay. Now, uh, before we get into this... I, I, I know nothing about the Inquisitors, I, right? I, like, I haven't watched correct. any of the animated material, so I, I don't have any expectation coming in of, here's what I would want to or expect to see with the Inquisitors. Neither have I. Okay. Here's... But, but before we get into it, that actress has been getting like a lot of racist comments. Why? Her. Why? Leave her alone, man. That's... Even if you don't Why? like the character, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, leave it alone. No, that's, no place for that. That's just dumb. Okay, no. but now, I don't like the character at all, mm-hmm. okay? I'm going to be straight up. I don't know what, like, I know I know why, but I don't know why they went this route. Okay. But she is the same problem I had with Captain Marvel. Because yep. she has one tone, mm-hmm. and it's bitch. That it's she, not nice. She's a bitch the entire time. Sure. And I'm like... No death, like you guys. Right. Like you. Right. You push for like female leads. Great. Make them worthwhile because yep. this is yep. not worthwhile. Pretty shallow. Ahsoka, great. Her, I and maybe it will get better when we get into her like backstory. And I already have my theories of her backstory. Mace Windu. No, my my theory was she was one of the. Was that racist guys. for me to say that? No. <laughs> No, but okay. but for me it was more like because Obi or because Mace rode the line between light and dark, so that makes sense sure, to me. Sure. But my theory is she's a youngling at the time ah. and ah. for some reason Obi Wan okay. wasn't able to save her or something. Right. That's my guess. I was guessing she was a Mace Windu relative. That makes you know what? It would make sense to me. Yep. But like so, I did. I did a little. Like I watched a little video. On okay, the okay. You dug in a little bit. You did a little. All the Inquisitors are former Jedi. Mm-hmm. They are not. Which I didn't know. So I liked that they explained that correct. in the show. That was great. Like the Grand Inquisitor was yeah. like a Jedi Temple guard. Okay. From I now this okay. is what I had talked with Chance, <coughs> and he turned and sided with Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and when which the, makes sense. Like why not? Like if you're the Sith, right? If you're Palpatine. And you have turned Anakin. Wouldn't you want to turn others? Like, yes. do you, do you, does it really just need to be the two of you? Isn't it better to have have Samo? And now they are not Sith lords or anything. They sure. just are under Vader. So Vader yep. has full yep. control right. over the Inquisitors. She also has the most insane plot armor I've ever seen in my life. With the Grand Inquisitor, as soon as she talked back in Episode 2, she should have been dead. Yeah. When he got yeah. super close to her, right. I'm like, oh, he's going to stab her in the chest. Right. No, he's like, nah, I'll come back to get you. 
That makes zero sense Agreed. in that situation. Very thin. Very thin. This is the dark side, okay? It's not like the Jedi where you're like, we'll give you a second chance. No, this is, <laughs> I'm going to stab you in the chest now. You're dead. It's done. We're done. There are, there are no verbal reprimands. There's Correct. verbal reprimand that comes with a lightsaber and on then, the other side. And then she stabs him? What is this nonsense? He's supposed to be stronger than her, and you couldn't sense that, hey, she might stab me. That doesn't make any sense at all. And now, he's the main villain in season one of Rebels. Okay. And he is alive, and Rebels takes place after this show. He may not be dead, though, right? I don't think he is. No. Everybody no. online's like, he has two stomachs because of his race. Great. <laughs> Great. But like, so he's, time, he's like, a cow, right? He, Multiple I stomachs. Guess. Okay. But at the same time, it's like... So why are you like? But just from a plot perspective, like, does it really make sense for Reva to? Sorry, Reva or Reva? Like, what's the okay? Third sister. Third sister. Does it make sense for her to stab him? Like, is that in her best interest? It doesn't make sense. No, I, I totally agree. There's there's work that needs to be done with her character because the one tone. It's not. We can do better, right? Surely we can do better than that. Yeah, like I said, it, that's the best comparison. Is she's the Captain Marvel of Star Wars. Yep, yep. Because that was my problem with Captain Marvel. Yep. She had one tone throughout the entire movie. Yep. And it was bitch. Like, you can make a badass character right. without making her a bitch. Yep. You can do it. Like we're about to see with Jane Foster. Correct. Yep. She does not look like she's going to be a bitch. She looks like she's going to be a badass. Yep. I'm all for it. Yep. Valkyrie has been a badass. Yep. Great. This... It just doesn't make sense, and maybe and maybe that's what we're missing is the backstory, and sure. maybe it will make sense because there's got to be some reason she's so obsessed with Obi Wan. I mean, he's he's cute, I get it, but like at the same time, it's just so. I'll be interested because she's yeah. gonna die at some point in this show. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Okay. She's dead. It's either gonna be the Grand Inquisitor coming back to get his vengeance, or it's gonna be Vader. And I'm kind of hoping it would be Vader because Vader will be more badass. Right. But there's this line from Rebels where it's like, and he, the Grand Inquisitor before he dies in Rebels, he says there are fates far worse than death. So I'm assuming after he fails, somehow he interacts with Vader, and maybe that's why he says what he says later is because Vader kicks his ass around a little bit. Which, again, cool if he knew that. But... <laughs> I, I kind of hope it's Vader that kills her, to be honest with you. Okay. It, it would be it'd be more impactful. Yeah. But that's my main issue with this show so far. Sure. I think everything else is great. And like I said, maybe when her character gets fleshed out yep. backstory-wise, yep. I won't feel that way. And so now it's just, I think, yeah, that's pretty much what I got on that. Hey, another random pull from our guy, Gundy. Did you know that the... Uh, leader of the kidnappers is Flea from Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers. The drummer? <laughs> I see it now. Yeah, right? I see right? it Right? He told me that. like, ah, oh, that's who that is. Okay. Okay. Because the dude looked vaguely familiar, but he's got that same Paul Dano quality of Paul Dano was put on this earth to be an actor that's a creep. And Flea was put on this earth to be a tremendous drummer and uh, play a kidnapper that gets killed in Obi Wan Part Correct. Two. And then, uh, oh yeah, he's, and he's then got the look. The, it's great. The girl who gives Obi Wan the drugs. Yep. That's Ewan McGregor's daughter. Ah. Okay. Fun fact. All right. But that's great. That's great. No, love what you love what you said. I, I think those are all valid um, concerns. Really valid concerns. So there's hope, right? Right. We're two parts in, four parts to go. Um, I am fascinated to see where where the show is going to go as far as how much longer is Obi-Wan going to be hanging out with Leia. That is a good question that I was wondering. How motivated... Let me rephrase that. Is Anakin aware at all that he has two kids? I don't think so. He has to be at some point. Like where where does he become aware? Where does that line go? Where does he become aware that he has two kids? Because in the Empire Strikes Back, he's aware that Luke is his son. Was, so at, at was some he point, four? 
wow, it's been too long since I've seen the originals, Riley. Like, that's, I, that's my question. Did yep. he know the, the entire time during the originals? Because that's, that's the question you have to ask. I don't know when he finds out that Luke's his kid. Yeah, see, I don't remember. I don't recall a specific line of dialogue, like, for example, where Palpatine tells Vader, hey, that, that young dude running around that's been giving us such a hard time blew up the Death Star, that's your son. Or did he even know? Did Palpatine know? <coughs> yeah, Palpatine knew. Palpatine did know? Palpatine knew. Because I couldn't remember yep. if he knew. Because yep, Palpatine knew. So anyway, I, I think that. that is going to be a, a factor moving forward, which I didn't think about coming into this show. Right, But now that we've seen parts one and two, I think that's going to be a piece of this story of Anakin is going to be aware that he has at least a child, if not two. And so I'm fascinated to see how that unfolds between him and Obi-Wan on top of the, what does Obi-Wan do at this point? How does he interact with Vader? And then the biggest question I have in my mind is, okay, (laughs) there's time that passes between this show's conclusion and the original trilogy, how are we going to... And my assumption is that these six parts are going to take place within the span of, you know, a week or so. Uh, Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. What we... Is what we're going to receive in this show, is it going to be enough for us to feel satisfied that wherever part six wraps up, that there aren't storytelling gaps left between parts you know, part six of the Obi-Wan show and episode four of the Star Wars movies. That's big. That's a big ask. Well, and then you have to also ask, too, is Luke, as a child, going to get involved in this as mm-hmm. well at some point? Sure, sure. But it feels very much like no. I, I agree. It feels very much like we have seen all we're going to see of Luke until episode six, where Obi-Wan looks at him one more time after she's eating his lightsaber. And Owen, yeah, because I don't think Owen's going to let him do anything or no. go anywhere with no, him. No, 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 But I, I do love the Leia piece. Like, that's that's top notch. Yes. That's great. Because it also, I think, helps make sense just from what we know with episode four. Correct. Of, hey, this is why Leia is going to Obi-Wan. He's a known quantity and to her. And calling him Obi-Wan. And yes. Yes. So, absolutely, absolutely love that. That's great. That's great. So I, I'm hopeful, Riles. I, I think it's off to a really solid start overall. There are absolutely some concerns, not unexpected, but I think there's enough positive to gain from this for us to really look forward. And I love, here's the other thing I love. I love that they revealed Vader at the end of part two, that they didn't hang on to that. They didn't do the freaking Kingpin and Hawkeye crap of, well, here's the end of episode five. There you go. And then he's in episode six and gets somehow defeated by Kate. You no, know, see, it goes and shows that, like, Vader is going to be a big part of this. He should be, it's right? Be glorious. <sighs> you bet. Can you imagine if we got, like, a Vader show after this? I'm all for it. But anyways. Okay. That'd be so cool. That's great. Anything else you want to hit on that in the topic? I think it's all of Obi-Wan. I think there's just a lot yep. of potential still, yep. which is good. No question. I think it will get better. And I, I do too. Yeah. There's a lot of setup in these first two parts uh, that I'm hopeful is going to just pay off as time passes. So very excited. Very excited. Cool. Right, let's stay on the Star Wars track. Correct. Yeah. So Star Wars, as it turns out, is cranking out the content. That's great. We think. Let's discuss a little bit about what is coming in the future. So we are in the thick of Obi-Wan, the limited series. Yeah. That's outstanding. The next... On the docket is Andor. Okay. Now, neither of us, I think, are looking at that as we're looking at a release date of appears August 31st, so a few months away. Neither of us, I, I don't feel like, have been particularly excited for this show. Right. Not in negative town either, but it's just, it's just okay. That's happening. Just yep. It's there. It's there. Tales of the Jedi. That's an animated series that's coming out. Allegedly, sometime this fall, uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch season two. Did you watch season one at all? No. No, nor have I. Because I haven't finished Clone Wars. <coughs> okay, fair enough. And her Bad Batch was like, eh. was just okay. All right, so that's still cranking. Uh, that's all that we've got for 2022, unless I'm missing anything. Anything you can think of? So then we transition to 2023, and this is where I think it starts to get 
probably a little more exciting, right? Mandalorian. Yeah. Season three. Season three. February of 2023. Not a specific date, but that's the month we've been teased. Uh, the young jet, the young Jedi adventures animated TV that series. Like a kid's show. It does. It does everything about that. Yep. Uh, Star Wars Visions Volume Two. Volume One has come out. I haven't seen a single and second of it. It's like I think they're just one-off episodes. Yep. Yep. That's fine. In different like art styles and stuff. Sure. I haven't seen it either. Yep. <clears throat> Teach their own, not mine. And then Ashoka coming out sometime in 2023. I'm very much looking forward to that. Like, I love these rogue Jedi tales. That's great. We got Obi-Wan. We're getting Ahsoka. Fantastic. Let's see it. I'm here for it. Um, Skeleton Crew coming out sometime in 2023. And that's where we've got Jude Law stepping in. Is that right? Correct. Okay. The Acolyte TV series. Sounds badass. Okay. Lando TV series. Now we're kind of in that in development stage. So no defined date yet. But Taika Waititi might be making a Star I Wars movie. I that will be the next movie, Star Wars movie that comes out will be Taika Waititi's. I'm, see, I'm all for the shows right now. I'm, I'm very... I, I'm Obi-Wan on Tatooine. PTSD with the movies right now. I'm like, I don't fair. trust you. I don't trust you. Yep. So anything else you want to touch on with the future development or any other titles that I have not hit for us? Um, I just think it's funny to point out David Beinoff and D.B. Weiss's Star Wars movies getting canceled. <clears throat> That's what you get for ruining Game of Thrones. Whoops. That was, sorry, that was in deep with me. So I know it. Um, what are you looking forward to the most out of all that? Um, so pretty steady. Not like a big flood, but just a steady, here we go, here we go, every couple of months, every few months. Well, Mando Season 3. You bet. Definitely number one on that list. Yep. By far. Yep. And if I'm going to be honest, out of all of these, next, I think Tales of the Jedi actually sounds really fascinating. Sure. Sure. It's, so it's an anthology, um, basically just showing, I think it's just one, one-off episodes but it shows each where each Jedi came from right. before they became Jedi, which fascinates me. So, like, the first one they, shown, mm. they showed was Ahsoka. Yep. So, like, if we see, like, a young Mace Windu, a young Plo Koon, a young Kit Fisto, I think all of those have so much mm. potential okay. to just show us different planets and different force abilities right. and all this fun jazz. So I'm all for that. I think that's number two. And or I still don't know how I feel about Bad Batch. I haven't watched and don't really care. Like, I think Ahsoka's got good potential because I like Ahsoka as a character. And I have a feeling it's going to tie in with The Mandalorian. Because that just seems like what they're doing with the live action shows. Right. Outside of Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan won't tie in with that. I think Obi-Wan mm-hmm. will keep tying in with mm-hmm. um, the actual prequels. And yep. And the, yep. like, it, the main it's... Star Wars, the, right. the Skywalker saga. Um, but I think, and the Acolyte sounds cool because it's pretty, I, I don't know what the synopsis is, but I'm assuming it's like, it sounds like it's, it's kind of like how they had Dooku and Maul and all these other villains. It sounds like yep. he's the next potential, maybe like Vader's apprentice, mm. which would be dope. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the emphasis in this season of TV shows. I really do. Like we have talked about this before on some distant pod in the past, and I remember saying then I feel the same way now. Like let's stay in TV land for as long as we possibly can. Like I saw a news piece where uh, Kathleen Kennedy, the the czar, if you will, of Star Wars. Uh, at the very least, she has as much, if not more, say than any one other individual on what direction the franchise will go. And she stated that it's time to be done with the, with the Skywalker saga. Thank God. Right? Totally agree. Because I think for a while now, uh, they have boxed themselves in to a really, really challenging spot where you have not only the high expectations that inherently come with Star Wars content, but they were fighting a really similar battle as as the prequels of, hey, some of us, you know, to a certain extent, you know how some of these storylines are going to conclude and how do you how do you match up and meet the expectations that come with that original trilogy, right? Prequels couldn't do it. 
the sequel since they chose to tie directly into uh, that same thread. And we don't have to go over all that old ground. But point is, I like the I like the shows because even when they're not great, okay, it's like you know what you can snip that branch and say, okay, well, we're going to be done with it. We're not going to go that direction. And then when they succeed wildly, like The Mandalorian has, which who expected that? Nobody. No. Nobody. No. But it has. And then you can say, wait a minute, no, we, we've got we've got a path that we can broaden out and flesh out into a really worthwhile series of stories. And so I think that is outstanding. And hopefully what this will do is it will we'll eventually get back to some movies, and that's great. But in the meantime, let's find out what the identity of Star Wars needs to be in order to be successful before we start launching another set of movies. Because I also think that when Star Wars, when they decide, hey, it's time to start making movies again, get away from the trilogy crap. Like, that is... That's old. We're not in trilogy land anymore. If freaking Mission Impossible is going to make eight movies out of its franchise, why on earth is Star Wars saying... Hey, we're doing trilogies at a time. Your neighbors right next door at Marvel are putting together dozens of movies that cohesively interact with one another. Why would you not seek to do the same? Why not? Well, can you imagine they doing something similar to the MCU, but with like, like prequel, prequel, prequel? Like, yes! Either go thousands of years in the past... Or thousands of years in the future, like get away. There's so this. many. There are so many cool Sith lords you could touch. <coughs> There's so me. many cool Jedi you can make up. My goodness. If we got a young Yoda, make that up. would be cool. Make them up. Like Mandalorian has been made up. Make them up. Correct. Let's do some original content. There are some really cool Sith lords, though. If they brought them in. It would be dope. Do but both. Do both then. Do both. Please, everyone. Because show show why they made the rule of two the rule yep. of two. Yep. That would be. Awesome. So cool. And that's where I sit. Yeah, totally agree. And I feel like it's inevitable for them to go that direction. But that's my hope. Like, figure out what your identity is. Figure out who your appropriate partners are, right? So Kathleen Kennedy seems to certainly be entrenched in her role as the the Feige of the Star Wars world. Okay, so that is what it is. Who can she most effectively partner with that can help steward these stories in such a way that they're fleshed out, that they're well-developed, that they show us characters that inspire and delight us? They have the guys. Yeah. They have the guys. They have uh, they have John Favreau, mm-hmm. who they should be tapping into at all times. Yep. And then they have the guy who was in charge of... Uh, like the, the Clone yep. Wars, and yep. I can't think of his name. He wears a cowboy hat <laughs> for fun. So, that guy. And then if you I tap those Because I'm sorry, I'm blanking good. on his name yeah, as well. I'm like sorry. Filoni, Dave Filoni. There like, you are. You got it. Yep. For some reason, I want to say JJ or something in the middle. Like Dave, JJ, Filoni. And I'm like, that's No, you're wrong. right. You're right. It's definitely wrong. But yeah, they, they tap into Dave and uh, old John. They're not going to have any issues. I think, I think they both do great jobs. And Dave loves his characters that he's come up with or helped create, which he should. You have to do original characters. Like, why are you not doing original characters? Exactly. Do it. Do it. It it just, that that has always been part of the strongest or the strength of Star Wars is these are original characters in original worlds. And so to, to feel like you are anchored to what has come before. I mean, tap into that spirit by all means, but do not, do not for a moment feel like you have to keep telling stories that have people with the last name of Skywalker or that will someday have the last name of Skywalker. We, we don't need that. It's like for, for better and for worse, that story has been told, tie it off, let it be what it is. Move on, please, yeah, please. If you're not gonna move on, at least reboot the sequels and act like they didn't happen. <laughs> That's my only, only thing. Yep. Big ask. Big ask. Yeah. May not happen, but you know, 
we can dream. It is what it is. That's great, Riles. All right, anything else you want to touch on, I my guy? I think that's good because you I got to pee so bad. <laughs> like, so bad. It is time. It is time. It's time for me to let loose. Well, that's so, great. I'm looking forward to hitting up more of Obi-Wan. What an exciting next few weeks it's going to be to continue to digest that. Oh, and hey, um, the next Clooney Fest is coming up for me on a personal level. Oh, so my boys, where we gather and we watch all those George Clooney flicks and shows, we're in it this upcoming weekend. Very excited. Oh, enjoy. Oh, I hope it's, it's great. everything you want. It's fest number 11. Here so, we go. On that note... Uh, <laughs> Check us out on YouTube and subscribe at JP and the Beans Talk. Um, and then we are on Instagram at JP and the Beans Talk and TikTok, Magic Beans Productions. If you enjoy my wonderful comedic voice, there it is. Um, check us out on Cloudy with Chance of Beans. Um, and that's all I got because if I keep going, I'm going to piss you. You're going to wet your pants. Get so, out of here. Get out of here. Godspeed. Appreciate you all. <laughs>